Episode 1, Lots and Lots and Lots. Prologue, this park ain't big enough for the both of us. So, common tradition is to build up, whether it be skyscrapers or multi-story buildings. That's the story for most places. It's often what we see in America. Different states in America are affected more directly from the vast amount of damages of human overpopulation. Arizona residents specifically have concerns about this as there's layers of sand and adobe that won't allow them to stack up like modern day pigs waiting to be slaughtered. Those in part of the urban communities though are already aware of the growing population, yet native suburban residents are like teens going to war. They're unable to see these issues like a water leak or a flat tire, and they will not be able to until the damages have been done. So according to Pew Social Trends, America is displaying a brisk growth of suburban life, and the effects are apparent but are neglected by most suburban residents. As an Arizona suburb resident, not having enough of anything has never been a problem for me. I had enough food to make my cheeks fat, enough water to hate drinking it, enough money to go out and eat often, enough love to never worry, enough space to run around. Around Pecos Road was farmlands for about a two by two mile area. Again, something I had more than enough of, area to play with my friends. It became a tradition for us to go out and play through the fields, like getting scolded out and cursed by those who farmed on it. It was so much fun. But I watched my childhood get destroyed. Bulldozers flattened the small dirt mountain we used to call the safe spot and took out the old house that we used to spy on in the distance. We didn't think much of it, just migrated to the parks. Life seems sort of normal for a little bit of my spoiled self who got upset with the increasing amount of people crowding the parks. Just waiting in line for a spot on the swing, I saw my friends five spot ahead of me, swinging, with only, swinging on the only pair of swings in the neighborhood with some stranger with darker skin. School was also something that changed very subtly. As years went by, more and more kids that went to my elementary school shared the same name, Job, Monker, Jones. They all went to the church down my street. It was so much fun, though, to joke about all the Monkers' names and how they all started with D. I remember at one point we were trying to come up with more than 10 names that the kids actually had while we were participating in this new project where we had to clean different areas of the school, all chanting, no, more, litter, like troops marching through a battlefield. Even though that the growing amount of elementary school troops at Quartz Hill tried to impede the surge of unwanted litter, we couldn't fight it back. Trash was a part of my life now. Younger me only associated this with, as a coming to age, being able to see the problems in the world. But not, not till, until now have I realized it's our population. Left untouched, we'll meet the Earth's caring capacity. You might not see it your effects yourself, but you'll be leaving your grandkids a life of hell. Lying about this to yourself will only leave less time to solve our issues. Even slightly avoiding the topic won't bring attention to this problem. This episode of our podcast, there'll be three unique stories revolving around the weapons of destruction that human overpopulation carries. Jack Hannis, who has lived in Gilbert, Arizona for approximately 14 years, recently has been concerned and has studied the hazards concerning the expenditure of natural resources with respect to human overpopulation. Act 1. A Plausible Hunt for Natural Resources Alrighty, so human overpopulation is a frequently disputed problem. Many individuals have been quite pugnacious about this, arguing either on how it's a relevant problem in today's society or on how it's merely a problem for future generations. Of course, as do the vast majority of arguments, the discourse gets rather heated. To be truthful, it's primarily the latter. Overpopulation for humans isn't so much a problem now, however, given the current rate it's growing, it's quite plausible that it's to be a rather acute problem in the near future. The rate at which our rather exponentially growing population 
is depleting natural resources could certainly prove to be a detrimental characteristic future suburban American residents will have to deal with, likely engendering both a defective education and an immigrant crisis. Eventually, if the current growth in the population maintains a positive slope, there will be such a colossal population that the demand for natural resources will indubitably surpass the supply of natural resources. In other words, bad things will happen. If such a circumstance occurs, it will mean America will be facing an utter dearth in natural resources. A dearth in natural resources leads to more imports from other countries, which is in order to compensate for this tribulation. Importing more from other countries will cause America to become a poorer nation. Becoming a poorer nation, with the population still growing, will eventually lead to America becoming an impoverished nation. Being an impoverished nation brings about a lackage of funding for scientific advancement. The lackage of scientific advancement leads to no change. No change, and with the inability to subsist, ultimately will lead to a drastic decrease in American population. All this due to an overpopulated country inducing the overcompensation of natural resources to a point at which they deplete themselves of it. According to Barbara Francisco, a columnist for the Washington Post, she contends that Christine Embo was right to point out the devastation to the oceans, forests, and wildlife populations because of human consumption and overconsumption. She then later affirms that she was wrong to play down overpopulation risk. The United Nations projects an unmanageable population of 9 billion to 10 billion in 2050, in which meaning the United States could very well be headed towards a dark future. As for me, I've been living in Gilbert, Arizona since 2004, so 14 years, almost 15 now. Back then, I was surrounded by more fields than roads. Cornfields were abundant then. I used to make a game out of how many different ones I could spot whenever driving around on the road. Within those 14 years, the population of Gilbert, Arizona had skyrocketed. Gilbert, Arizona went from 164,934 people in 2004 to a whopping 242,354 people in 2017, a fairly drastic change in a 14-year period. I've noticed that countless fields have been done away with for new housing and business developments. Not that there's anything wrong with that, it's just an observation. Do what you will with it. And it's simple logic. The more people means the more natural resources are needed for subsistence. According to the article Arizona's Water, Uses and Source, they aver that Arizona uses approximately 6.96 million acres per feet of water annually. We don't have an endless supply of water, and it's an essential natural resource for the survival of all living things as we know it. So not to catch you off or anything, but going off what you were saying, are there any modern day examples or more so signs that go to show the plausible dangers of increased human population? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. So recently, according to Greg Farr, a notable speaker for the Ethical Choices Program, asserts that in America, 2,500 gallons of water go into producing one pound of ground beef. Wow, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. And you know, he also goes to affirm that in our modern society, more than 8 million land animals are killed for food every hour. And you know, the expenditure of all those natural resources is only going to increase as the population increases. It's only a matter of time, supposing that the U.S. population count keeps increasing before the education and typical lifestyle of the average American citizen is consequently affected. So essentially, overpopulation can lead to an utter depletion of natural resources, which in turn would affect the overall well-being and lifestyle of the contemporary suburb American citizen. With the inability to subsist, mass aggregates of people would die as a result of this. How would this be caused? Overpopulation. 
Although, not only is there an indisputable co correlation between overpopulation and natural resources, but there's also a colossal correlation between overpopulation and education. Act 2. Population squared. Due to the short-term natural resources available, an increasing amount of people keep coming to the United States. This might make a better chance that there are more future students in the classrooms. Logan Kelly has personal connections in the field of education. Logan, how has these growing populations become to concern to you and your family personally? The quality of education is becoming a very big problem in America. The growing classroom size can affect a student's focus and the teacher's attention on the individual student. Following a fifth grade teacher at Pine Elementary, Gina Kelly, she exclaims that having 30 students in my classroom greatly affects the learning experience. Table groups become larger, students become distracted, and lessons become harder to plan. This quantifies that the quality of education decreases while the job of the teacher gets even harder. Can this job get any harder? Managing 30 kids that are bouncing off the walls and ensuring that they are all safe and learning is almost impossible. The increasing amount of students just raises the level of difficulty. Because some teachers struggle with the size of their classroom, the students become less educated. I feel for the thousands of teachers struggling because my mom is that teacher at Pine Elementary. Kelly states once again, I'm adapting to new teacher teaching styles to educate students better but still know there needs to be work done to better their level of education. My mom and various other teachers are doing this. However, how many students become too many students? That is a question you have to ask yourself. Will there ever be an endpoint to all of this chaos? So specifically in America, Quartz Hill can't be the only one who had brisk growth of enrollment. How does this affect you on a daily basis? In my pre-calculus class at Campo Verde High School, I once had 42 students in my class. This is ridiculous. It enables the students to chatter more and the distractions arise more often. The students are taking advantage of the teacher due to these extremely large class sizes. Just like hens being compressed in metal cages, students are being crammed in classrooms given a 20 inch by 20 inch desk. This results in the quality of education going down in a more complicated day for the common teacher. In Arizona, there is an average of 20 students per teacher in public schools. In more heavily populated states, such as California, there are 24 students per teacher in public schools. This qualifies that highly populated states in the United States have more students in their classrooms. At nearly 40 million people living in California, this directly correlates with the students in their public schools. There are many adverse effects that overpopulation can have on the quality of education. For instance, Chicago academic states, in a large classroom, students aren't able to participate in group discussions as much as they would in a smaller classroom. Less opportunity to participate means that their voices won't be heard as often and risk students becoming disengaged from the lesson. This elicits that large classrooms are limiting the students' potential to succeed. If the classroom had smaller groups, then students will be more focused along the way. In addition, overpopulation induces students to become distracted. For instance, Chicago Academic expresses once again, while many students are on their best behavior during class, there are some who prove to be disruptive. A teacher has a better shot at dealing with disruptive students in a smaller class, rather than a large class where other students might decide to act out as well. A smaller, focused classroom provides a more positive learning environment for students. This portrays that the more students that are in a class, the greater chance that there will be more disruptive students. In the United States, the average amount of students in a public school classroom is 23.9 students, while in Finland there are 19.9 students per classroom. Finland is the top-rated public school system in the world. This is simple math. The more students, the greater prob probability of something going wrong. This can stress the teacher out and place more responsibilities upon them. Teachers are giving less attention to students as well. 
A student's questions, concerns, and thoughts about a topic may not be heard. This is a serious level of concern. No matter which way you slice it, there are consequences arising in public school education and it's just the beginning of this detrimental issue. At the end of the day, I desperately want solutions to the problems arising in education to help the future of America and ease the pressure of the teachers. Act 3, Two Sides of a Wall The wonderful thing about America is its diversity. There are countless numbers of people that differ in age, gender, race, social class, and many other qualities. But as the number of people begin to rise, a number of problems begin to do so as well, and not only in public education. So Ryan, what exactly were the problems diversity caused? Were there just different views? Well, yeah, of course there are different views. Some people would call Arizona a state supplying opportunity for said diversity. Others would call it a state subjugated to immigration. But uh, I was a child who was raised by immigrant parents, but was also surrounded by those who despise immigrants. And uh, of course, I've heard my fair share of both sides. Okay, so obviously your parents face adversity being immigrants. What about you? I had my troubles here and there. You'd probably understand too, being Asian and having foreign parents. And you know, there are always stingy parents who gave stingy looks, with their, which, which their kids would do too. And uh, ultimately, whatever my parents faced, I'd be faced with too. And of course, it started when they first got here. My parents found themselves in a land of opportunity in the early 2000s. They were Filipino immigrants who had left their homes in search of a better life, not only for themselves, but of course for the little girl and boy who were about to enter this unfamiliar country. So they had left on their rising account of corruption within the Philippines. The Filipino government was taking money from its citizens and keeping it for itself. But of course, my parents were the only ones with the idea. Many others had come on visas to earn back the money that had been so wrongfully taken from them. Congress's recently passed law, which basically increased the number of visas allowed, was very popular with the CEOs who wanted to make money, but of course it wasn't with the employees who competed for the jobs given to the immigrants. So as the population continued to grow, I did as well. I grew to realize that there was more than just one side of the wall to immigration. So I was raised in Arizona, one of the many states near the Mexican border, but I had been all over the Sun State. I was constantly moving, constantly changing, whether it be houses, schools, or friends. At least that's what I thought. But everywhere I went, there was always the same talk about immigration, and the talk wasn't always nice. People always complained about how these immigrants were taking what was rightfully theirs. It was just like the time the white man began to populate the land of the red man. But now the foreign man had overpopulated the land of the white man. And the talk was pervasive. It sprouted from kids, adults, and even presidents. I would turn on the TV to watch cartoons before school, only to hear President Obama addressing the illegal immigrants housed in Tucson. He would go on and on, talking about all the things he would do to resolve the issue of immigration. And yet here we were, with a different president, still faced with the same issue. This time, however, the, the population was greater and the civil unrest was more severe. In fact, according to the article Immigration in Arizona, illegal immigrants, their population has increased 213% in the last decade, and that doesn't even include legal immigrants. And that's just in Arizona. The cost of education and medical bills for these illegal immigrants alone totals of $2.6 billion. And how are they paid? They come directly from the pockets of American citizens. Induced tensions are still rising along with the population, and unfortunately America is still not done growing. If neglected, the population of immigrants, like the growing amount of animal waste, will only soil the quality of life. So although my blood is American, it runs deep through the roots of other countries. I've seen both sides of the story. I am both sides of the story. But regardless of what side of the wall you take, one simple fact cannot be ignored. As the population of people begin to rise, so do the number of problems. The lots and lots and lots of problems.